0: year as a teaching pastor. All right, we, um, so as Jake said uh, at the call to worship this morning, we, this is the first Sunday in the season uh, called Lent. Um, Lent, uh, Lent is a season, it's a 40-day period leading up to Easter when followers of Jesus have, they've, through the centuries, they've taken time to examine their hearts, do do a kind of a, a spring cleaning of the soul and to get ready to again celebrate... Um, uh, remember Jesus' death on Good Friday and remember His resurrection on Easter Sunday. And uh, Lent—it's not something that's—it's um, not something that's in the Bible. That it's like, oh, we have to do this. It's a, its a, a, a through the centuries of as followers of Jesus have thought about how can we form ourselves spiritually. One of the one of the ideas they had is they said, what if what if we took our calendar and instead of our calendars being dominated by like harvests or school year or uh, when soccer and football and basketball season began. What if we took our calendar and actually let the rhythm of God's rescue in the world help, help that shape our calendar? And so, this tool of spiritual formation, taking the calendar and mapping onto it um, Advent and Christmas, the birth of Jesus, uh, the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah. Um, uh, resurrection Sunday, Easter, remembering Jesus' death and resurrection. And then Pentecost Sunday, remembering the giving of the Spirit. And so it's taking the calendar and using for, for spiritual formation. And so that's what we're doing um, this season. We're taking this season and getting our hearts Ready uh, to remember again uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, getting ready to have a big party on Easter Sunday. So um, that's what we're doing, and we're also in the series called Praxis, walking through the Book of Acts and asking, what does it mean to take? Uh, uh, what does it mean to take what Jesus did in His cross and resurrection and live it out here and now uh, through the Book of Acts? So that's kind of where we're at uh, as a community this morning. So I want to. Uh, we're going to be this morning in Acts chapter two. Verse uh, thirty six is where we're going to start out, but let me uh, let me pray for us, and we will um, we'll get going uh, in the text. So, Father, we uh, we do um, recognize your presence with us um, all the time, and here this morning, and we recognize that you are a living God uh, who actually has things to say to us, uh, which is which is uh, which is pretty mind blowing that you have things to speak to us as individuals. Here this morning. So I'd ask that, um, Spirit, that you would somehow fill up these human words, breathe life through your text, and speak to our hearts. This morning, we we desire to hear you, the voice of the living God. In your name. Amen. So, uh, Acts 2, verse 36 is where we're going to begin. Acts is way to the right in your Bible. It's after John, before Romans. And let me just give a little context before we read together this morning. So, where we're at in the story is this. Uh, Jesus, about, uh, about Two months before what we're about to read, he's been crucified and resurrected. And then there was a period of time where Jesus appeared to his close friends, his apprentices, um, as in his resurrected form. And then about Ten days before what we're about to read about, a week and a half before we're, we're about to read, Jesus physically disappeared. It says he ascended into heaven. In other words, Jesus, he went to the center of reality. Heaven is not just like way out in outer space. Heaven is the center of reality. Jesus went to the center of reality to rule as king. And now, um, ten days after that, his, his close friends, they've been praying and waiting for this gift that Jesus said he was going to give them. And we're picking up in the story in Jerusalem, and there's this huge festival in Jerusalem at this time called Shavuot. There's three big festivals um, in the Old Testament where, where the Jewish males are said, they they said they're told to go to Jerusalem, make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And this is one of these pilgrimage festivals. Shavuot. So here's a model of the temple, and so you can imagine. Jewish people from all over the Roman world, they're flocking to Jerusalem at this time for Shavuot. There's probably, some scholars say, up to a million people in the city. And this this morning, they're getting ready to go to the temple to do sacrifices and worship together. So imagine that temple complex just packed with people, people speaking all different languages, all different countries, this a huge in-gathering. And they're headed up there. Um, and they'd be going, flipped in the next slide, they'd be going the southern steps of the temple. That They'd be going up through those steps. And what happens... Is uh, we're told that all these pilgrims are all heading to the temple and stuff, and that um, there's this event that there's this sound like thunder or a sound like a violent wind, and then all of a sudden, Jesus' friends there's 100, 120 of them they start speaking in all these different languages of these pilgrims from around the Roman world, and these pilgrims start hearing. Uh, Jesus' friends, his apprentices, talking about what God has done in Jesus in their own language. And it draws this huge crowd of people. And so we don't know if the crowd was in the temple complex itself or on those southern steps. But somehow there's this crowd of people. And one of Jesus' followers, Peter, stands up and starts giving a speech. You can met the, you know, people from all these countries, Jesus, it's probably, you know, it's kind of chaotic, and Peter's shouting, let me tell you what happened. And he summarizes the story of Jesus. And Peter summarizes it, and then he says, This, this Jesus is how God, God promised to rescue his world through the story of Israel. And it all came to a culmination in Jesus. He's done it, and now Jesus is King of the world. The people are like, what? What this is an incredible event. And let me read. We're going to pick up with how these pilgrims, all these people hearing it, responded to Peter's speech. So listen to their response. So this is the last line of Jesus, uh, Peter's speech. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Lord. And Messiah. When the people heard this, all this crowd of people, when they heard people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. ...and to prayer. Alright, I want to uh, make it just kind of an introductory comment... ...about uh, what's going on here. So, sometimes... Uh, ...sometimes when, when you read or talk to people who... ...maybe they're not followers of Jesus... Um, ...one of the things that uh, I'll hear heard said or written... ...is something along these lines... ...that people will say, well, Jesus... ...he was a good religious teacher. He was a good human religious teacher... But then what happened is some people kind of latched on to him, and over time, uh, the who he was, the idea of who he was, it, it mutated, it evolved, and things got added to it. And so, decades and decades later, people started worshiping him as God and King. And that that's really just kind of a, a later invention or evolution of really he was just a human teacher. And I, I want to say we need to if we're gonna if we're gonna investigate if you're kind of questioning who this Jesus is and looking into Christianity, you need to take the texts about him seriously, historically. And what we see is, here is a speech given by one of his followers less than two months after his death and resurrection. No time for evolution, no time for additions. And what does Peter say? Peter says he is Messiah. Peter says his death, his life and death, was actually the culmination of the story of Israel. Peter says he is Messiah, that is the King of Israel. Not only that, Peter says he's Lord. That word in Greek is kurios. And kurios, um, the the Romans would have used the word kurios to talk about Caesar. So Peter says he's on par with Caesar. And the the Jewish people would have used the word kurios to refer to the the name of God in the Old Testament. So Peter's even equating Jesus with God here. And he says it's in this Jesus that the forgiveness of your sins takes place. He's standing right by the temple. It's not the temple, not the sacrifices anymore. It is Jesus Where you come to worship and you come to find forgiveness. And all their their symbolic reality, baptism and breaking of bread. It's all formed around, their worship is formed around Jesus. So right away, an incredibly high view of Jesus. Where does that come from? How do we explain this historically? I believe it's because Jesus himself spoke of himself this way. And it was vindicated. It was proven in his resurrection. I believe that is the best historical explanation for what we have going on here. So we have to wrestle with this. So Peter says, um, Peter says this Jesus, who just, uh, just under two months ago was crucified, this Jesus is actually king of Israel and king of the world, the one who rescues us from our sins. And, he says the, uh, and then he says, the proper response to this is to repent, is to surrender to him. The proper response, if Jesus really is king of the world, the proper response is to surrender. There's a, there's a, there's a, a story um, told about um, a British admiral, British admiral, Lord Nelson. I tried to figure out if it's actually historically true. I don't know, but it's a good story nonetheless. The story goes like this. So Lord Admiral, it's in the late 1700s, and he's, um, he's fighting the French. He's a, he's a Navy Admiral um, in these sea battles. And uh, one he, he cripples this French ship. And he, he pulls his ship alongside the French ship. And the uh, uh, the French admiral is coming over now. He's going to have to surrender. So the, the French admiral is coming over to surrender, and Lord Nelson's coming to the side of the boat where the boats are touching. And the French uh, admiral's walking over, and he's got his he's got his regalia on, his sword there swinging at his side. He comes and he goes to shake uh, Lord Nelson's hand, and Lord Nelson looks at him. He doesn't reach his hand out, and he says, "Your sword first, please." The Frenchman hands the sword over, says, "Now your hand," and he shakes his hand. That, that Lord Nelson that he he recognizes that you, we have been that you we've been antagonistic we've been fighting we've been at war. If we are going to be friends, first you have to lay down your sword. Then we can hold hands in friendship. Your sword first, please. And what's true in that con- that context of human warfare, I believe, is also true here. That we that Peter recognizes that humans have been in a rebellion against God against His way. And if we're going to be in friendship with him, we first have to lay down our sword. That there's a, there's a, We have to let go of our sword. If we're going to take up the hand of friendship with God, your sword first, please. So Peter says, this Jesus is king. Surrender. The word there, I want to dig deeper into this, this idea of surrender or repentance. The word there is, um, in Greek is metanoia. And uh, this word metanoia, um, it means to change, change, reverse your way of thinking. Change, a complete change of your mind and heart. The, 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 this inner change of the way you think about yourself, the world, and God. Metanoia. And uh, this Greek word, metanoia, uh, repentance, actually in, uh, in the Hebrew scriptures has a long tradition. Repentance has a long tradition with the Jewish people. And so in Hebrew, the word for repentance is teshuva. And in Hebrew, teshuva, repentance, it means it's a, it's a, instead of a mental image, it's a physical image. Teshuva means to turn. To, to turn away from sin and to turn back towards God. And so the the Greek image is this mental change, and the Hebrew image is this physical turning from sin and turning back towards God. And so when we hear repentance, I think sometimes we get um, mistaken notions. Repentance is not just feeling really bad. There might be emotions tied to repentance, but repentance is more than just feeling really bad. Repentance is also not like doing penance, beating yourself up, or trying to pay back what you did wrong. It's not just doing penance and beating yourself up. Repentance, fundamentally, is a a change, a reversal, a 180 degree turn at the deepest part of ourselves turning from what Scripture calls sin or self-centeredness or selfishness or all sorts of other little gods we put at the center of our lives and turning at the deepest part of ourselves and turning back towards God and His King Jesus. That is what repentance is. That's deep inner change. And Peter says, he says, God has made this Jesus King who's rescuing the world repent Turn from your other ways of being. Turn from your little gods. Turn from your self-centeredness, and turn towards Him, as your King. This idea of turning, and, and the way turning can change everything. I uh, the this was uh, uh, this came to my mind uh, maybe a month or so ago. I was out jogging. Um, Uh, out on a run Um, I I, uh, live here near the Hillcrest building and sometimes I'll run through Fairhaven down Taylor Dock and then to the end of Boulevard and turn around and come back that way and uh, it was a cold winter day and I'm running past Woods Coffee to the end of Boulevard and the wind is just right in my face and uh, it's pretty I think here's a photo somebody took a picture of me that day Um, and uh, so I'm running I'm running through Boulevard there's palm trees there you didn't know that did you yeah (laughs) I'm running, I'm running, Boulevard. and you know, if you ever run in the cold, my eyes are watering, and just like there's just blurry objects ahead, and I, the, the wind's just cutting through my shirt. Why am I out here running? Oh, this is not fun at all. And uh, and I get to the end of Boulevard, and I turn around, and there's, oh, I turn around, and all of a sudden, that cold wind that then been right in my face is right in my back. And I'm like, I am so fast. Look at, <laughs> And I'm running. And, uh, and it was late in the afternoon. The sun was setting over Lummi. It was a, it was a clear day. I, I, I swear, it's true. There was a clear day this winter. And uh, the sun's coming down. There, uh, there's Boulevard. And you, if you've been there, it's beautiful. It's the sun setting over Lummi. The wind's at my back. All of a sudden, it's warm. And I'm just cruising along. And the only thing that changed was the direction I was facing. Peter says, Jesus is king of the world. Turn around. Are there places in your life where you're running into the wind? You're running against God and what he's up to. And he says, turn around. Have my holy wind at your back. Run with me. Turn around. Let me show you the beauty of this place. Turn around. Run with me. Stop running against me. Fathers of Jesus Christians talk about this idea of turning uh, from sin and turning towards God and running with Him. Uh, They talk about it in a couple different ways. One way that we talk about it, is um, that there's a sense when you first start following of Jesus, did I say following of Jesus? I don't know what that means. Um, When you first start following Jesus, there's a big turnaround. A big turnaround. There's a sense that when you first start following it, it could be a single moment, it could be a season, but you go from against him to turn towards him. And that's what Peter, he's calling these people to here. He says, turn around, turn and begin to follow Jesus for the first time. And he says, when you do that, this first big turnaround, there's, a, there's an outward public physical symbol that is meant to accompany this inner reality. And he says, the outward public physical symbol that's meant to accompany this inner reality, he calls it, is baptism. This declaration before your friends, before people who know you, before your family. This is, I'm in. I, have, I, be- I trust Jesus. I have died with Him. I've risen with Him. And I declare Him as King. And so... um. He, he has three thousand people baptized that day, and I just want to take a moment and say this: if uh, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've just started following him or you've followed him for a while, but you've never been baptized. Let's do it. We're gonna uh, uh, on Easter this year. We'd like to hold baptisms. We've done it the last couple of years, and if you're interested in that, we're gonna ha- we have baptism packets. Let's. I think I have one right here. Yeah. Baptism packets, go to the info booth, uh, grab one of these on your way out this morning. All the info about how to get signed up for that is in there. But We'd love to do that. It's this uh, this physical public symbol that says, I am a follower of Jesus now. So, followers of Jesus, they talk about this turn as, as a big initial event to first follow him. But they also talk about it in the term of, as we follow him, the life of following God, the life of walking with Jesus is a journey. And in this journey, sometimes we need course corrections. Sometimes we drift off course and we need to turn back. Sometimes we start to turn back towards those things that held us in the beginning. We turn back towards self-centeredness. We turn back towards trusting other little gods. And we need the life of following Jesus, walking with Jesus, is a life of continual surrender, continual turning back towards Him. And so not only is there a big initial turn, but there's ongoing, the ongoing these times where we, we start to reach for that sword again. We have to surrender again. We start to drift off course. We have to turn back towards Him. Turn away from those things that are calling us. It's continuing turning back towards God. And I want to, that's what I, because I think a lot of us here this morning, we would say we're people who are on this journey with Jesus, and what I want to call us to, and really, you know, we talked about, this is the first Sunday of Lent, the season of Lent is a season of turning away from those things that are calling us away from God, and turning back, once again, to fully face, fully trust the God of the universe. So I want to to give us some time this morning to think about where do I need to surrender again? Where do I need to turn back towards God again? And when I ask that question, where might you need to turn back towards God? What might you need to turn away from? I think uh, one thing that happens sometimes is that we focus our thoughts on external behaviors. You hear the word, you know, you need to repent or you need to turn away things. I think one kind of natural uh, reaction is to think, oh yeah, I need to repent. I need to turn away from, you know, lashing out at anger at people. Or I lied about that thing. Or I looked at pornography. Or I got drunk again. Or I've been sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend. And that there's these external behaviors and our first thought is, I need to, I need to turn away from these external behaviors. And that's true. And that's good. But I believe that Jesus... Uh, He has has even a deeper level of spiritual surgery to do in our lives. Because the way spiritual dysfunction works, the way sin works, is there's a thing behind the thing. There's a thing that's driving the thing. And that's the place. God wants to get down to that. And he says, you need to repent of that attitude, that spirit. And so, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you've been smoking pot. But really what the issue is, is you have this anxiety in your life. And this anxiety, you refuse to trust to God. You refuse to talk to the people God has put in your life about it. And so instead, you self-medicate. And God says, don't, yeah, yes, repent of the behavior but you need to repent of this spirit of not trusting me with your anxiety or maybe maybe you've been you've been controlling your friends and family you've been very controlling to the people in your life around you and and yes you need to you need to repent of the outer behavior but maybe the deeper thing is this insecurity you feel this need for safety And you've taken this deep need for safety, and instead of turning to God and trusting God with your safety in life, instead of talking to the people He's put in your life about it, instead of that, you've acted it out and you've begun trying to control everyone around you. And God says, yes, you need to to repent, you need to repent from the, the behavior, but you also need to repent of this choice of not trusting me with your need for safety the thing behind the thing, this deep repentance. We have these these longings, these wants, these desires, these hurts in our life. And instead of taking them to the living God, we, we find all sorts of other little gods to patch them up with. And so we take our sadness and we fill it up with alcohol instead of praying it to God. We take our fear of failing at work or at school and we lash out in anger towards those that we love and When God says, bring it to me, trust me with it. So yes, we need to repent of these outward behaviors, but we also have to allow his spirit to search our hearts. Where are those places that we have holes in our soul that we're trying to fill up with all sorts of other things? And the spirit's trying to get down to that level and says, trust me with it, turn to me as king with it. This deep surrendering. If this, is, uh, if this is resonating with you in any way, there's a book I'd recommend um, by an author, Larry Crabb. The title is Inside Out. Uh, I'll have it up here after the service if you want to glance through it. Um, but he, uh, he talks a lot about... Um, the difference between just repenting, surrendering at kind of an outer level and allowing the Spirit to get down to those deep ways of the deep inner orientations of our lives and how God wants to turn us around at those deep places. And so, uh, this morning though, I think, I think the question for us is simply, where this season, where do you need to surrender? Where do you need to surrender again this season? The... Uh, the image that, I, that we see in this text is that um, there's a, a surrendering and then a grabbing hold. There's an abandoning and then an attaching. That, uh, Like in the, the, the story of Lord Nelson, there's a letting go of the sword and then a taking up of the hand. And you even see this um, in the story that it says they surrender, they repent of their old way of living and at the very end, did you catch what it said? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking bread and the prayers. And so they let go of an old way of living, an old inner orientation, and then they devote themselves to God's new way of worshiping and being in the world. And that's, just to kind of give a, a, a foreshadowing, that's what we're going to be talking about in the, the, the coming weeks. The coming weeks we're going to be talking about, what, is it, what are these things that God wants us to attach to? Once we abandon these old ways of being and living, what are the new things that God wants us to attach to? And we're going to be looking at these attachments, these things that God wants us to pick up. So to conclude, I'd say this. Peter gives us the most amazing news. This Jesus, this Jesus who dined with thieves and prostitutes, this Jesus who sat and blessed kids, this Jesus who met lepers and reached out and touched them and healed them, this Jesus who walking along a crowded street heard the voice of the beggar and went over and healed his eyes, This Jesus who did not use his power for himself, but used his power, he laid his power down. He'd rather suffer and die than see his subjects come to any permanent harm. This Jesus who even dies to forgive his enemies. This Jesus, he did not simply die and go off into the uh, books of history. This Jesus rose again and is actually king of the world. He's the kind of king we desperately need. A king who does not use his power for himself, but uses it out of compassion to serve. And Peter invites us to throw ourselves in, to attach to this Jesus, surrender from having other things as our king, other things as our God, and to trust this Jesus. Peter says, turn from those other things and turn towards him. I believe that's our invitation together this morning. And so... Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to have some time uh, to respond in worship, uh, to respond of taking of communion. And these are the questions uh, that I'd like us to reflect on this morning. So if you're a, if you're a writer, if you're a note taker, you can write these down. But the, the two questions, um, what do you need to turn from? And where do you need to turn towards Jesus. What do you need to surrender? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to turn from? And where in your life, where in your heart, do you need to turn and trust Jesus anew this season? So I'd like those to be our reflection questions as we continue. And this is how uh, this is how kind of the next portion of worship will go. Is there's going to be two different ways uh, to to respond. Um, one, will be taking communion, and I'll explain that in a moment. But the other thing I'd like to invite you to do this morning uh, is, I don't know if you've all noticed, but we had some wonderfully talented painters create six paintings on this back wall over there that represent Jesus's journey to the cross. Yeah, that wall there, you can see them. And so one way, uh, for some of you who are more visually oriented, one way I'd... Uh, uh, offer for you to respond this morning as you as you think about the question who is this king that I'm surrendering to what are those things I need to lay down one way you can respond this morning is if you'd like to go back and just walk those paintings and prayerfully reflect on them I would encourage you to do that that's going to be just that is an option that is for you for the remainder of the worship time I just want to make that available and the other thing we're going to do together uh, is we're going to take communion, which is really a, it's a, it's a beautiful reminder of who this king is, uh, the king who dies for us. And it's a reminder of the fact that those, those sin places in our life, they are totally forgiven. He has taken them to the cross and to the grave, and they are gone forever. Uh, And so that's what we remember in the partaking of communion. His body broken is represented by the bread, and his blood shed is represented by the juice. And so I'd like to invite our servers forward now. We're going to have a number of those uh, uh, elders and deacons who you met earlier, we prayed for. They're going to be offering communion to us. And we're going to have two stations up front Three stations in back. Three in back are a little different this morning. One station will be there. The gluten-free station will be by the pillar back there. And the the other gluten-full station will be by the doors back there. We wanted to create some space for people who wanted to go take communion and then reflect on those paintings. Uh, As we take time, take some time to reflect on where you need to surrender. We don't need to rush and do a communion dash. Take some time, reflect on this, get your heart ready, reflect on what do I need to turn from uh, this Lenten season. And then when you're ready, uh, we'll form lines at the stations. They'll offer you the bread, you dip it in the cup and take of it um, before you head back to your seats. And this is, if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, we are thankful you are here. And please don't feel pressure to fake it and participate. Feel free to simply observe uh, this act that Christians have done for 2,000 years. So let me pray for us, and then I would invite you uh, to respond first to those questions in your own heart to God, and then respond in worship uh, through the taking of communion uh, and continue to pray. So, Jesus, uh, we are thankful that you are king of the world because you are the kind of king that we could never be and yet we need so desperately. A king of great compassion and love and patience and yet just and right and true. Uh, Jesus, I recognize that my heart gets twisted, disoriented. I get focused on the wrong things. And I turn from those things this morning. Send your spirit, point out the places where I need to turn back to you. I want to trust you with everything I am. And I know, my friends, we want as a community to trust you with the deepest parts of ourselves. Speak to us here this morning. In your name, amen.